Well, hi, Jalal. Hey, Amy. How's it going? Just us today. It is just us. What happened to Sean? Remind me. Oh, he's probably looking for that ugly brown sweater. Oh, God. Yes, that's that's why he couldn't make it in, everyone. He couldn't find it, I think. It's kind of nice. I can make fun of him and he's not here to pick on me. For one episode. <laughs> always, one episode. I'm not being made fun of. I don't know of. why. He's so mean. <laughs> well, we've got a really good session today. Um, as What's you know, about? Jalal, we work with a lot of business owners yeah. and a lot of them especially right now with the the credit issues that are going on, supply chain, they're, they're having a lot of different conversations around their business. Yeah. And today, specifically, we've got the opportunity to speak with Jonathan Kahn, who's mm-hmm. the director of the National Client Group of uh, Corporate and Investment Banking, joining us. Nice. And he's going to help us talk around working capital and how do we optimize that in, in your businesses right now. Sounds awesome. Uh, cash flow is really important, especially nowadays, uh, as you mentioned, credit contraction. So we're uh, pleased to have actually Jonathan to, to speak about that. Looking forward to it. Coming, Coming up, up next. next, everyone. Welcome back. We're here joined by with Jonathan Kahn, who's the director of the National Client Group of Corporate and Investment Banking. We're excited to have you, Jonathan. Great to chat with you. Looking Perfect. forward to Amy. Joel, welcome for joining the table Thank as you. well. Pleasure. So we're going to have an interesting discussion today. We're talking about the current market environment, especially around businesses. When we're in this type of credit cycle, what kind of things are they impacting? Um, and I know you're you're seeing this, you're on the forefront. So first off, maybe tell us a little bit about what you're doing with businesses right now. Absolutely, absolutely. So in my role, my role is to represent the bank and make sure I connect with owners, CEOs, CFOs of mostly private companies, in some cases, public companies, and learn about what's driving them, what's important for them. Typically, we get involved in transactions when they're doing acquisitions or divestitures, or if they're looking to go ahead and expand and grow the business. So our role is to make sure we understand what they're doing, understand where they want to go. And then for me, connect internally and make sure I bring in the right partners to support them. So whether that's our M&A team to support them in terms of an acquisition, that could be bringing in our cash management folks to make sure we can provide the right treasury direction or bringing in our derivatives desk and making sure we can give them support and managing some and that, that's one thing I have actually learned being here is it's it's a really different environment. It's not that the individual, the business owner has to go to each department. It's you're kind of that quarterback that they come to and you triage where which group to pull into the meetings to make it a lot more efficient. A hundred percent. My role is to make sure I understand my clients' businesses as well as they do and be the one point of contact for the right. bank so that they know exactly where to go. And then it's my role to make sure that I find the right people so that they can just focus on running their business and growing their business. Which as a business owner, that would be music to my ears, which is I only have to tell my story one time to you. Dealing with one You person. understand it. Yeah. You bring in the people instead of me chasing people because as a business owner, particularly in the environment we are, like employment issues, supply chain <coughs> issues, the credit issues we're going through, I've got enough on my plate, so I could really use a resource to help, right? (laughs) That's for me to worry about. If I'm a business owner, what level should I be at before I engage someone like yourself? Well, in our particular group, we're our national client group. So we typically cover clients that have earnings between $5 million on the bottom end and 100 plus on the top end. So it's quite a wide range. Right. But the reason for that is to make sure that we can support clients through a long cycle of growth. And oftentimes with financial institutions, you can have relationship managers in my role that change over and over again. And again, thinking about what's important for the client, they don't want to be dealing with a bank where they have to substitute and change over relationships. So in our group, we can cover that. Now, that being said, 
If there are clients that are larger or smaller than that, we work very, very closely with our teammates in commercial banking and corporate investment banking and make sure right. we can hand them off appropriately when the time is right. That makes sense. That makes sense. So what are the challenges you're seeing current day? There's a lot of them, but what what are kind of the top things that you're seeing uh, in the market right now? Yeah, and this is not going to be any new news for, yeah. for anyone. Is Number one is inflationary pressures. And so there are businesses that will be seeing exposures to one or a couple of specific inputs that are mm-hmm. driving inflation. In some cases, they can push that price through to their customers, but not in all cases. So right. that's maybe one, one big issue. Related to that is interest rates. Of course, anytime that rates are going up in my space, in the lending space, it's going to have an impact on what clients right. can do, whether that be private equity or companies looking to buy new customers. Of course, they're looking to layer on debt as part of their transaction. So that plays into their overall cost of capital. And then existing businesses, if they have existing debt, that interest carry is going to be uh, be quite substantial. And then the third, I would say, and again, this is not anything new, but is supply chain issues and dealing right. with both delays with getting goods into their into their warehouses and costs associated with that. So I'd say right. those are the three big themes. But again, these are common things I think for the last couple of years most businesses have been dealing with. Right. Nope. Yeah, like I think I, at one point I was reading that shipments coming in through like sea containers were at nine, ten times their their normal uh, uh, cost yeah. because of COVID and I guess because of the ports, the like the backups in the ports and, and, and whatnot. Yeah, so. you got it. I mean, you can think of it. You can't have a, a global disruption in supply chain and expect things to come back efficiently. And so, yes, they spiked up in some cases as close as $30,000 a shipment. Yeah. Uh, now we're seeing seeing anecdotes that they are coming back down. So hopefully that, gotcha. that's helpful for clients who yeah, are yeah. navigating through that. So I had a, a, a question now. I know you mentioned uh, that you work with cash flow as well. Just a, a brief summary about in terms of cash flow, just some high level. What do you mean by by cash flow in terms of businesses between five and 10 or $100 million and, and whatnot? Like where, does, where do you or your team uh, come, come into that? Yeah. So if we think about cash flow lending, we're looking at clients that have uh, good ongoing uh, sustainable operations. They've been operating for some time. And we look at the business on the merits of that cash that they're generating. Right. And so uh, contrary or, or an opposite might be asset based lending. We do do some structures that are focused on asset based, but for the most part, clients that get into that. Uh, spectrum, we're looking at them on a cash flow basis. And for us, we're looking to make sure, obviously, that they generate good cash generations, they can sustain the business and hopefully grow it and continue to expand it. Yeah. So, so for example, um, I, I guess, I guess where I'm trying to get to is what, what are some things you recommend for businesses right now um, in terms of keeping their eye in terms of their cash flow, whether it's organizing, whether it's accounts receivables and, and accounts payables. <clears throat> so, I'll give you an example. Like a lot of businesses would probably think to themselves, well, okay, I have accounts receivables of, let's just say a million dollars, right? But these customers or clients haven't paid me yet, yet my reporting period, for example, for taxes or whatnot comes due. So I have to pay the taxes, yet I haven't been paid that, uh, mm-hmm. that revenue by the clients, right? So what are some, what are some, um, I say advice or what are some things that clients should keep watch out for business clients should watch out for in terms of them organizing their cash flow properly. So that way they're not, you know, when bills come due, they actually have the money to actually pay or even suppliers, right? Some suppliers want you to pay within 30 days, yet your clients sometimes, you know, have a 60 to 90 day grace period. So how do you balance that? Uh, I, it almost sounds like it's kind of like a finesse, right? But <laughs> it, it is. And you're, you're raising a topic that that we call working capital optimization, and not gotcha. to get too technical, but yep. uh, working capital is effectively the uh, the 
work the lifeblood of a company in terms of its cash within a year. So you can think yeah. of your current assets minus your current liabilities. Mm-hmm. So anything that is either coming in within a year or that has to go out within a year and exactly all the things you're talking about. The big ones are inventory payments, accounts mm-hmm. payable you might have, accounts receivable, uh, uh, payroll might be things that are all yeah. compounding that. And you've exactly said it. And, and related to working capital is the cash conversion cycle. And really, this is the cycle of what it takes to turn a dollar of output into a dollar of cash in the door. And so there's three main components to that. You highlighted a couple of them already. One is your accounts receivable. So these are Mm -hmm. invoices that you've issued out to customers and you're waiting now to get paid. The second is on the opposite end is your accounts payable. You've got your suppliers that are waiting for payment and you need to pay them. And then third is your inventory. So you can imagine you've got your inventory in your warehouse. It's taken you some cash Mm -hmm. to buy it, put Mm -hmm. it in the warehouse, but you haven't yet converted that into dollars in the door. So when we look at those three together, one of the things that we like to try to do or have customers do is optimize that level of working capital. Of course, every business needs working capital to support what they're doing on a day-to-day basis. But of course, if you have too much invested in your working capital, you're missing on opportunities to help grow the business or pay dividends or whatever else you could do to grow and invest <coughs> in the business. Right. So I mean, if you have too much cash, um, you're missing an opportunity for growth, like, for example, whether building a new warehouse, building a new line, whatever it is, um, in terms of growing your uh, the company. Did I understand you correctly? Like, yeah, you don't certainly. Want too much cash, yes, I mean, look, no one's ever going to say you don't want to have <laughs> a, num- a lot of cash. So yeah. cash is great, but you yeah. need to bank it, go to work. Right. Yeah. And so having a good investment plan, whether that's around your treasury and deposits and cash management, but certainly it's more around efficiency and optimizing how you operate on a day-to-day basis mm-hmm. to make sure that you're efficient with how capital is being used. Gotcha. And so do you help customers get into the weeds on those different buckets on how, how do they optimize it? Absolutely. So in my role, one of the, the, the parts of my role is to make sure that I'm understanding, first of all, how the business is operating. What do those payment terms look like, for example, with their suppliers, with their customers? And then we have a team within the institution that really dives into the weeds, as you say, and digs into providing specific solutions right. to fill in the gaps in some of those places. Now, that being said, there's lots that companies can do on their own Mm -hmm. without using external tools. And to me, this is the first best option is taking a look at your payables, your inventory and your receivables. And in an organic way, think about what are the things I can be doing on a day-to-day basis to help improve things. And the companies that really have this mindset throughout the organization Mm -hmm. are the ones that do it really, really well. Yeah, Uh, for sure. Um, so you mentioned something along the lines of trying to do it organically or whatnot. So your team, you said that you guys help businesses optimize uh, uh, their cash flow, I guess, their organizations. What would be the difference between what you would do and hiring, for example, like an in-house accountant to uh, to do stuff like that? Do you know what I mean? Like in my mind, it comes to my, you know it comes to my mind that accountants would probably generally do that. Like where does your team? add any excess or, or, or extra value. And if you have an example from a specific client, of course, without giving any names, yep. you know, feel free to share that. That'd, For sure. That'd be and, and awesome. I'm glad that you raised the question because that yeah. is the most common thought process. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, working capital optimization, right. cash flow, it's got to be in the finance function. Yeah. yeah. Or that's where it is. And yeah. Or like you, a financial analyst of a company right. or whatnot. You got right. it. And that's important. But I would say the most important person or people that need to understand this is at the CEO level, the shareholder owner level, Because when it's well understood the importance of working capital optimization at that level, then it strickles down not just into the CFO and the finance function, but into procurement 
and mm-hmm. the buyers, as well as on the sales side. Because hmm. if you think about it, you have a sales side pay- meaning the sales team. Correct. Okay. If you have your accounts payable, well, clearly that falls into operations and procurement. Right. Accounts receivable, you're dealing with the customers. In almost all cases, that's dealing with your sales team. Right. And the management of that, from a finance point of view, of course, that falls within the CFO's mandate and remit. But if you take all three of those together, there's a really big opportunity for all those groups to work together. For example, if a procurement team or a payables team understands how the CEO and the CFO want to manage working capital optimization and manage working capital, now when they're negotiating with a buyer, it's not just a dollars and cents oh, uh, negotiation I or discussion. See, right. It's, hey, here's the price we're willing to pay, but is there any flexibility, for example, on payment terms? Mm-hmm. Could I pay 15 days later, 60 days later to a supplier? Mm-hmm. Now, that may not seem like a big negotiation point to procurement, but if they're well-connected with finance, that extra 15 or 30 days to the finance team, now you're talking about a huge savings right. mm-hmm. as it relates to the working capital that's tied up in that account's mm-hmm. payable. The same thing on the receivable side. If the sales team knows that, hey, maybe we're willing to give up a half a percentage point here and there, but the get the, the gain we're going to get is an extra 30 days, 45 days, 60 days in right. payment terms. Uh, or Sorry, I should say the opposite. A shorter payment terms from the customer, maybe you're willing to give up a little bit of price to know that you're going to get paid sooner. Mm -hmm. Hmm. And then on the inventory, of course, I mean, this one is a little bit more difficult because of the nature of supply chain and inventory in and inventory out. But it's still an opportunity for your operations team or whoever's Mm -hmm. uh, running up the inventory and procurement to make sure you manage that in such a way that it's you have the goods you need, but you're not over-investing in inventory and tying up working capital. Yeah. That, that's a really good point because it's getting all your horses to pull in the right direction, right? Instead of just focusing on the financial aspect of it, the other areas of the, the company can help and optimize overall, it. right? And to me, this is this is the 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 huge so what. Yeah. Why is working right. capital important? It's not just a dollars and cents, yeah, although yeah. there is a massive benefit for that. Yeah. But it's getting the mindset of an organization right. to really buy into the fact that what we're doing here is we're mm-hmm. trying to be lean and mean and efficient. Right. And if you think about what companies are dealing with now, this is the time mm-hmm. that companies really need to focus on being optimal and being efficient with how they're running the business. Oh, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. Especially with credit contractions right now. Um, access to capital is obviously lower than what it was uh, a couple of years back or a year back. Uh, for sure, cash flow. Well, I think the other benefit, too, is you, you in your position, you get to see what other businesses are doing, right? So you offer a pretty good perspective of who's doing it really well, maybe some options. So I think kind of picking your brain on how do other businesses do it and yeah. other ways to optimize? I think that was a real light bulb moment there. That's, yeah, 100%. That's huge. You know, we see in our portfolio within our group, we're diversified. So we see mm-hmm. a lot of different types of businesses. Uh, and one of the other benefits of our group is we work really closely with our loan syndication team. And they've got a view not just into our portfolio, but the loan market. And right. So we can take what they do, what they see and bring that to our clients. And around working capital optimization, look, it's a common thought that these sorts of tools and solutions are typically for middle market or smaller clients. But right. I can tell you, some or many of the, the world's Fortune 100 companies yeah. use really? these sorts of tools to manage their efficiency. Now, it's not because they need to generate additional cash, although that's helpful. Mm-hmm. These are the largest companies in the world that have access to billions of dollars in liquidity. But why do they do it? because they want to be efficient, they want to be optimal, mm-hmm. and they want to drive right. that through the organization, not just internally, 
but even through their supply chain, for example. So many of the largest companies in the world have programs specifically targeted to their suppliers to allow their suppliers to take advantage of the credit quality of their Hmm. customer and drive improvements in their working capital throughout the supply chain. Right. Do you guys do negotiations on behalf of clients? Like you got you mentioned, for example, that maybe their procurement team would like negotiate with suppliers. Do you guys do any of that or no? You guys just I wouldn't say that you would create the system and they would have to execute it or create the organization maybe and they would have to execute Look, it. Look, part of my job and our job is to be a good advisor first and foremost. So yeah. the first thing we'll do is we'll leverage the experience that we have, how we've worked with other companies that are doing it, and guide them through some discussions they should be having internally. We'll certainly do analysis on their financial statements and help them understand where there might be pockets to improve. Mm -hmm. In some cases, we'll benchmark versus other transaction in the market and other peer groups that are in the market that we have information for us so they can get a flavor and a Mm -hmm. picture of here's how they compare to others. And then they can take that information and and discuss that internally and then figure out what the right approach is for them. And Mm -hmm. certainly, you know, to the extent that we can be helpful to that process, that's our job. Gotcha. What well, about, go ahead. And I was going to say, I think more than ever, especially on the supply chain, I'm seeing it from at least the business owners we're talking to, they're dealing with multiple suppliers of the same thing now because they just don't want to be caught in a shortfall. Yeah. So how do you manage that? So to your point, by having this oversight and how to really optimize it is going to be key. You got it. So first and foremost, if you can do that internally and you can navigate that with the relationships you might have with mm-hmm. your suppliers the relationships you might have with your customers. That's the first best option. Right, right. That being said, there are lots of tools in the toolbox that can be provided and layered in to the approach to be able to support those discussions. And in some cases, if you hit a roadblock or not able to get somewhere with a supplier, well, then you can layer in a tool and use that tool the way that it's intended to be used to yeah. support whatever mm-hmm. it is that you need to do around working capital. And working with multiple companies or multiple clients or even across sectors, you guys would have knowledge of certain, suppose one client, for example, is, have, I don't know, having issues with a plastic manufacturer. You'd probably know another mm-hmm. plastic manufacturer that would, mm-hmm. that would help them. Like, I guess that that can be leveraged by you and your team, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's the goal of, of what we try to do is we take yeah. all of the learnings that we have from yeah. other clients and from the market and our own experience at other institutions and, and bring that to clients. I mean, look, as an advisor that we're expected to do that yeah. and we need to deliver that way. What about loss prevention? Do you guys help us to set up systems for that? Like, do you guys bu- create a buffer zone for, for that? Like some companies obviously will um, eventually maybe have a client not pay, uh, doesn't want to pay. Now, of course, they can obviously pursue in court depending on the amount and depending mm-hmm. on the nature of the contract or whatnot. But do you guys help w- anything with that? Or like, what are your thoughts on some, some you know, some loss prevention stuff? Yeah, we certainly do analysis around what we call dilution. Mm -hmm. So this could be cases where a customer either does not pay at all or there's a refund. There's lots of reasons why there may not be a full payment of an invoice. It doesn't happen often, but it does happen. So we'll do that analysis. We'll understand the level of dilution that a particular company has. Again, we'll benchmark it to other companies in that sector. I can give you an example. For example, in food retail, Mm -hmm. the level of dilution tends to be a little bit higher, but you can imagine that would be the case when you're dealing with food products or things that can get broken in shipment versus products that might be uh, more shelf stable or have Mm -hmm. a longer life on on shelf, you might see a little bit less dilution. So certainly we do that analysis. We find opportunities where they may be better or worse than the benchmarks. And then with their sales team, help them understand where there might be opportunities to improve upon that. All right. Amy, do you have any... I have one more question if you You have... Okay. My, My last question is, at what point do you think a company or, or a business owner should approach you guys? Whether and and tell me in terms of either uh, EBITDA or revenue or gross, you know, gross margin, whatever it is. When do you think is an optimal time 
uh, in your opinion, for a business owner to approach a team like yours? Okay. This is a biased answer. (laughs) (laughs) Right away. Right away. Right now. Of course, right now. Definitely. Now, that being said. You said, hold on. But a few minutes ago, you said if you can do it organically, do it organic. Like if you can do it internally, I guess do it internally. So you can never go wrong by speaking to an advisor and speaking to someone that has experience and can help you. Look, we don't have to be, it doesn't have to be a customer. That's not our job, in my view. Our job is to be a good advisor. If we can provide good advice through a discussion, through a dialogue, Mm -hmm. and it's helpful to you as your business, great, go do that. If there's an opportunity to work with you as the owner, as the CEO, as the CFO, great, let's do that too. But it all starts with providing good advice building a good relationship and letting it go from there. Yeah. Here. Like and you don't you clients shouldn't have to wait until they see like a huge amount of their or a huge percentage of their cash flow decreasing or the fact that they can't pay their bills on time or you know their taxes on time. You shouldn't they shouldn't wait till it's judgment day in other words mm-hmm. for them to come knocking for, on your guys' correct. door. And and it's timely now as well. You mentioned before credit is contracting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Companies may not be able to have the same access to capital as they did a year ago. Yeah. I'll tell you a great line that I heard from a client a couple of weeks ago, and I'm surprised I hadn't heard it sooner. Shoot. He said, have one God, but two bankers. <laughs> <laughs> and I the, like that. And the reason for that <laughs> like is, that. and the reason for that is, look, you can never go wrong by having another, another discussion yeah, with another true. lender, with another bank. You're going to learn something. You'll create some competitive tension mm-hmm. with your existing lender. Not every bank can be all things to, to all, all people, clients. Yeah, yeah. So you want to leverage the best of both worlds and the best quality. So back to your question, today is the day to reach <laughs> yeah, out. Yeah. If it happens to be sir, a client, yes, sir. that's yeah. right. That's in my or our segment of client. Fantastic. But if not, yeah. again, we're here to channel to the right teammate. And if mm. that happens to be a teammate in our commercial bank, wonderful. If it happens yeah. to be a teammate in our capital markets group, wonderful. But yeah. our goal is to service our clients, bring good advice, and then find the right partner to work with. For sure. Yeah, yeah. it does grow harder and harder as the com- company obviously progresses, as you know, as the company grows, the revenue grows, all that stuff definitely gets uh, gets more difficult. Well, well I'm, I'm, to your point, just finding those little parts to optimize can make a massive difference at the end of the day, right? Absolutely. So why not? You got yeah. it. Well, Jonathan, thank you. This thank you very an much, Jonathan. That was awesome. Today. And uh, have one God, two bankers. <laughs> I'm going to remember like that. It. I like it. <laughs> Great Thanks, everyone. All right. Thank you. Thanks. Well, I'd like to thank Jonathan Kahn today for coming in. I thought that was really helpful. Yeah, I think, that was an awesome I think there was talk. a lot of good tips in there, you know, you know, Absolutely. Having, having uh one god and two beggars, not a for bad sure. idea. Businesses <laughs> definitely need to take their cash flow uh more seriously. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of money being depleted. So. Well, and it's not just to his point, it was not just about the financial department. It's how do you optimize the sales department, the procurement department. That's yeah. a really good point. The, it's it your optimizing actually, yeah. optimizing. You've got two ropes well. to ba- basically play puppeteer with. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. take advantage of it. And someone like Jonathan's team who has that oversight of other businesses, it's a really good place Absolutely. to leverage yeah, yeah, yeah. that and yeah. find that information for sure and i think one thing that i can walk away with is even if you're not gonna actually retain an advisor at least have that chat conversation with one. You know yeah I mean? see if it makes sense even in your if business. your cash flow is a million dollars and less like i know he said his team works between five and a hundred million but even if your cash flow is less than that just ask questions maybe that you'll even get some really decent advice to, to help you leverage growth in your company. Well, and again, right? their team, they'll point in the right direction. If it's not their team, they'll know the people internally Absolutely. who you yep. got to talk to. For so sure. yeah, great episode. And uh, thanks again, Jonathan. Until next time. For sure. Thanks, guys.